Thank you, Lord. You know, it would be good if we, when we come together, guys, that we worship the Lord. Put your phones down and give praise to God. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 13, it says this. here in verse 14 it says for here we have no continuing city but we seek one to come city whose builder and maker is God by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name if you want to offer a sacrifice of praise to the Lord with the fruit of your lips praising the Lord loving the Lord give him that respect and that honor Father, we praise you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, God. We couldn't breathe, God. We couldn't make our heart beat. Our whole life, God, is in your hands. We're helpless without you, Lord. Small people, who are we that think anything of ourselves, God? For our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but it's you, God. It's you, Lord, that gave your life for us suffered and died pain and agony God to make a way Lord where there was no way for us Lord so that we could live for eternity our most important thing in our lives God is being there with you forever Lord living and reigning with you Lord being there always I love you Jesus and I praise you thank you Father Thank you, Lord. Good to see everyone tonight. What a blessing to have other people here that uh, love the Lord. Thank God. Hallelujah. And have some fellowship together. Thank you, Jesus. What's going on, everybody? Everybody okay? Sleepy? <laughs> We've been blessed this week to have a... Uh, Gail and Jordan here with us. Uh, what a blessing. Jill's uh, stepmom and uh, and uh, little grand, granddaughter there, little granddaughter. So we just a little blessing and keeping them busy, working them hard. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you. Great to have you. Anybody have a testimony or anything going on? Word on their heart? Anything? Okay, go ahead. Oh, wow. Yeah, everybody came running. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> we just had so many moments of one-on-ones. All of us had time to really um, just love all the ladies, share our hearts, and show them that we care. And then some that would say they weren't coming by the time we finished talking, they'd come to the 5 o'clock service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was, it was just tremendous. I'm just like overwhelmed with all of those snippets and 
Yeah, that's good. Huh? Justin's not a juvenile. It hadn't been for years. It was closed down after the big scandal, but they, when it flooded, they sent some away. Anybody else? Oh, I know you got something, um, Cedric. Ben probably has something too, huh, Ben? And Bob, you were able to go to nursing homes today, so that's good. Went to visit some nursing homes. and You, you did sing, see the songs in worship and everything there? Or? Well, I, it, it was, uh, God blesses. Close to them than Bob. <laughs>
Did y'all have many people there today or not? Well, I'm just hanging to the wall. Well, I don't know. Bob, he just does that. He picks. <laughs> I was by myself. But um, uh, there was about um, 10. Wow, well, that's good. That's good. Maybe a few more. Yeah, that's good. That was there. That uh, what they did is they just drifted in uh, because they made the announcement late that I was uh, there. Yeah, they'll start once they start finding out more. You'll get more there was sure. Two ladies sitting there, and I just started singing. Yeah. Just started just singing, and people just started drifting in. And this guy came in and sat right up in front of me right there, and I sang about two or three songs. He said, "He says I'm Catholic. He says I love this music. You know. He says I would." I'd like to hear more of it, more of this kind of music. Good. I said, well, okay, you know, just sit and listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was a blessing. It was a true blessing. Good. It was a God. God really moved in opening doors and, and making a way for that. And uh, I got blessed back because this lady came up and handed me a blessing card that she writes out, and writes on a three-by-five card. Mm, good. That's great. Good deal. That's good confirmation. That's good. What a blessing. And I was worried at first because I, I was I was concerned about my voice projection. And I found out that after about 10, 10 12 songs, it starts cracking. You know, so I had to get back in shape. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I sang for about, I sang, well, this morning in church, you know, I belted it out. And, yeah. You know, I had all my practice, you know, and stuff. And, and so over there, I mean, it, but I found out that the first time there, it just gave me an opportunity to just kind of feel, test the waters, you know, mm-hmm. and see what I would need for the next time around, which I know now. And so anyhow, I went to uh, uh, Jody's Music Store in Walker yesterday, and I was looking for PA system, so I bought me some guitar strings for an electric guitar I have. Uh, well, before that, I went to my brother-in-law's house, and he gave me a set of some uh, an amplifier and some stuff to use with a microphone. I went to the Jody's, and I t- I told Jody, I said, I asked him, I said, look, I need a mic stand, you know. You, have you got one sitting around somewhere? He says, I'll do you one better than that, and I got one left. He says, I've got a complete system of a mic stand, everything, carry bag, and all that. I'll, I'll give it to you. He marked it down. Good. So right. now you can see everything falling in place. Yeah, that's good. Good for you, Bob. Just some old people to be blessed. Yeah, that's good. You know, good ministry. Just to be able just to hear and, and yeah, they, it won't be long. They'll be beating Jesus face to face. I said it won't be long. They'll be meeting Jesus face to face. You catching them right at the end. That's yeah, good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. get excited. Yeah, there you go. Hey, I gave the play, you know, I'm close to myself. Amen. You know, musical chairs here. All right, doing switching chairs again. I do have another, another short one real quick. Okay. Uh, the medicine that Vanessa was taking, mm-hmm. she went to the doctor and did some blood work, I think it was last week or so, and, and she totally cleared. Wow. Totally, totally cleared. Wow. So the the um, hepatitis is basically over with then. Hepatitis is gone. Wow, that's great. That's great.
No, you sure of that, but, but now they're uh, working on the pancreas. Uh, and uh, 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 trying to keep her blood sugar in the rest of the body, I guess. But that was good news. to make another one. Cedric, would you say that louder? My question was, I was having a conversation with a, with a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, we were discussing uh, like controversial topics on salvation. And I brought to him several different scriptures to, um, to explain the word of God and what it means for those who are actually saved. And he would, all, he would always find corners to be like, well, what about this scripture? Like, I know that I'm okay. And I was trying to get him to understand that he wasn't okay and he was using scriptures to to um, to help him out in, in his state, and so I want I like for you to actually examine and to give us some scriptures of what it means to to know that our salvation is secure. Uh, th- that's an extremely important question, very good question, very very important because we're dealing here with um, your eternal destiny of uh, what where you're going to end up, and. Um, you know, when you're talking about eternity and talking about your salvation of your soul, uh, that's the most important thing in your life. Um, and the Word of God is very clear on it when we look at the simplicity of God's Word, of what it takes. Um, a lot of men have twisted what it says to make it easier, so to say, and eliminating what is really trying to bring forth. Um, we as we understand by the scriptures and and the word of God is the authority and it has to be the authority in our life. It's not a, um, another man or, or another church or another building or anything, but the word of God presides as the authority and it must be that way in your life. You can put your trust in someone else and you can be deceived. We always check it out by what somebody says or how they live by what the word of God says. Jesus said this when he was in Matthew chapter 3, when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, when the enemy tempted him to turn that stone into bread, uh, the Lord answered him by saying, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Um, the Word of God, the Bible says, in, if you want to turn there in the book of John chapter 12, I'm just going to lay a little bit of foundation to what he asked, which is important. Uh, it, it, Jesus says this in John 13, uh, in verse 46, he says, I am come a light into the world 
that whoever, whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. We know darkness to be light is Christ, light is truth, light is um, righteousness, and darkness is basically representing the scriptures as the enemy or unrighteousness or sin. To walk in darkness is to walk in unrighteousness and, and unholiness. So, and it says, if any man will hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So it's important to know what these words are that we're reading and to take them at heart and to apply them to our own lives. Because these words that Jesus spoke in his disciples will judge us in the last day. It says, for I have not spoken, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry, John chapter 12 and verse 48. Did I tell you 13? I'm just trying to test y'all to see if y'all could really, <laughs> y'all paying attention or not. Oh, I can start all over now, yeah, right? <laughs> John, uh, John chapter 12. Well, I was at the right place. I don't know why y'all weren't. <laughs> Verse 48 is what we would. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Yeah. The word is what's going to judge you. It doesn't matter what somebody tells you or what their opinion is or any of that. The Word of God is the authority because that's what you're going to be judged by on that last day. That's what, that's what happens. Um, and he says, for, for I have not spoken of you of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Uh, comment on that or not? No? You okay? Okay, we'll go forward with that. In the book of Psalms, chapter 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, um, if you would go there. Psalms 119. And... Um, which Psalms 119 is just awesome. <laughs> all the Psalms, all of Bible. Awesome. Uh, he says here um, in verse 11 of Psalms 119, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't read the word and you're not studying the word and looking at the word, then how are you going to hide it in your heart? <laughs> you see, so that's why we're diligent. To, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, he says to study the word, to show yourself approved, the workman that needeth not be ashamed. And to hide that word in your heart so that you won't sin against the Lord. Now, if you would, let's go all the way to the back to the book of Revelation. And we'll get to your question in a little bit. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21. 
and verse 27. And it says, and there shall in no wise enter. It's talking about, first of all, in Revelation 21, it's talking about the new Jerusalem, the heaven. When you depart from now, Paul said this. He says in Philippians chapter 3, sorry, chapter 2, he said, I have a desire to depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. It's far better than what we have here is to be with the Lord. He said, but yet I'm caught between the two of, going, of wanting to be with the Lord, but I want to be here to minister to you, to help you to, to get there and make it there. So he said, I'm caught, I'm caught between the two. Because he was talking about how wonderful it, it will be to be with the Lord. And here in, in Revelation chapter 21, Paul, uh, John is there. Now, John was a disciple of Jesus. You remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, all the disciples. And John was a disciple. And at the end of their lives, uh, well, toward the end, when times were really rough with the Romans, who were persecuting Christians. Uh, history tells us that uh, uh, all the disciples, Paul had his head cut off. Peter was hung upside down on the cross and died. John, they took him and threw him in boiling oil, and it didn't kill him, so they put him on a little island called the Isle of Patmos. And so John on this island is there, and uh, being there, he begins to see revelation of what will come in the future. And here in Revelation chapter 21, uh, he, he's here, in let's start at um, verse 7. He says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven plagues and talked with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he takes him and he shows him the new Jerusalem. In this new Jerusalem, he looks at, and it's descending, it's like it's in space and going down. And if you read on, it talks about it has 12 gates of pearls. It's, the, the floor of it, uh, where you stand, is like transparent gold. The walls are thick with all these, it's just so beautiful, he can't hardly describe it. But then he says it's about 1,500 uh, miles long, 1,500 miles high, and 1,500 miles of uh, height. You know, it, he describes it. And then he comes in verse 27, he says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or evil, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So no sin can enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it's important to understand that only righteousness will be able to enter in, only those that are righteous. Um, enters into the kingdom. But this place will be awesome. It'll be incredible. Um, it says that the Lord will, when you get there, the Lord's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. Your eyes, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. You, know, you won't ever get tired. <laughs> uh, your, your body, will, you'll have a new body, as it says in 1 Corinthians 50, uh, 15, a brand new body. You'll be able to fly. You'll be able to Go all over. It'll be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. Uh, and the Lord will be there, the best thing of all. You'll be with Jesus. He'll be the light of the city. And um, 
he describes this. You come there, you'll, they'll have a river of water, crystal clear, and you drink of that river of water, you, 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 your youth is restored. So all your wrinkles go away, which is nice. And uh, then you'll eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge, of tree of the, the tree of life there, and once you eat of the tree of life, you'll never die. So the, the little old 90 years that you may, may live here will be nothing compared to how long you're going to live in eternity. So all these things, he talks about how wonderful it's going to be. He says, I have not seen nor ear heard nor hath entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him. The most important thing in our lives, if we accomplish anything, is being ready at that final day of judgment to meet the Lord. Because in Revelation chapter 20, it says here, now, in Revelation 19, just to give you a little bit of update, what's been going on before these chapters has been what is called the Great Tribulation. I mean, you've heard of that. In this Great Tribulation, it's when God pours his wrath out upon this world of all those that are disobedient and don't know the Lord. But those that take the mark of the beast on, those that are walking, that have walked and have not live their lives for the Lord holy. We see things that happen there were uh, devastating things where the sun uh, with its brightness gets so bright and so hot that it scorches men's bodies. And they cry out, the Bible says, they gnaw their tongues for pain. Great earthquakes, the waters, the rivers turn to blood. Um, stars, of, of, not stars, but meteors are fallen to the earth. Men, the Bible says in Zechariah 14, men will be standing there and the, the flesh will fall off their bodies and their eyes will go into the socks. I mean, it's just a horrifying time. Hailstone, they'll have hailstone that comes down that's going to weigh over 100 pounds apiece. The hail, you know, like we get hails and we think, wow, if they're the size of a baseball, it's horrible. These are going to weigh 100 pounds, the Bible says in Revelation 16. It says everything's going to be burned up. And the Bible tells us in first, 2 Peter chapter 3, it tells us, seeing that we know these things are coming, they're going to happen. Everything in this earth is going to be burned up. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That new heaven, new Jerusalem is going to come and there's going to be a new earth. All this is going to be dissolved, for sure as we can tell you, because that's what the scripture says, and it happened. It happened. It's happened. The Lord has done such things in the past, and it will come to pass. So seeing that you know all these things are going to be, what man or person ought you to be in the way that you live? Um... In all manner of holy conversation, the way you live, in holiness and righteousness with the Lord. My encouragement is to the brethren is I want to be a help to as many as people as I possibly can. I want to give you the truth of the gospel. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I'm not interested in playing church. I want to give you the truth of what it says and let you examine it and examine your life by those words. But it says here in Revelation chapter 20. He writes, John writes, he says, And I saw, verse 11, a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which are written in the books according to their works. So they judged according to what they did. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's a horrible thing. Because the lake of fire is forever and ever and ever. And I want to make sure, first of all, that I don't go there. And I want to make sure that you don't either, if I possibly can. I want to help you not to do that. Turn with me to the book of, um, uh, I think it's 1 Thessalonians. I'll tell you real quick. No. I'm sorry, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this body, this physical body, were dissolved, in other words, if we died, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we're going to have another body. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to go back and read that, he said this mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. So that we have a new body that we live forever. I won't have to work out as hard then. I won't need to work out. So it'll be really cool. No more pain for, uh, you know, for um, Sister Connie. No more sickness. No more death. Uh, wonderful, wonderful what the Lord has for us. And it says, in this we groan. Christians groan because we earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. And the older you get, the more you groan, right, Bob? <laughs> Jill says, you groan so much. Every time you go to get up, I hear you groan. I'm groaning because I want a new body. <laughs> Let's go down a little bit further. Verse, uh, si- verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, which is far better, like Paul said. Wherefore, we labor that whether we present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10, where I want the attention brought. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, you're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Think about that. Nobody's going to be there with you. You're going to be all alone, and nobody's going to be able to vouch for you. Nobody's going to be able to help you. It's going to be your life. And the Lord's going to see and examine just what you've done. He knows everything. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he had done. Whether it be good or bad. So everything we've done will be judged. A lot of people think, well, it'll just be covered over. Well, it'll just be covered by Jesus. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're going to be judged for everything you've done in your body, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, it will come to pass. So again, why not, if you know these things are going to happen, why not give all diligence to make sure that everything comes out of your life is good, that you be able to stand before the Lord and the Lord will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou in with me into paradise. Look at Romans chapter 14. 
here it's talking about uh, some coming together and one man believes it's, he's, they're having a thing of what you eat. You know, one believes it's okay to eat meat, another one believes you, know, you should just eat vegetables. And, you know, and the Lord's saying, you know, don't, don't try to judge him on that. It doesn't really make any difference. The Lord knows the heart. One man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day the same. He said, both are God's judge. And he goes on down. And he says, verse 10, he said, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everywhere it is again. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Everybody's going to bow one day, whether you believed or didn't believe whether you walked in holiness and righteousness or you lived for the devil and you walked in sin, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess and say, I admit, you are Lord. So then, verse 12, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Everyone's going to give an account. So it's something that we personally are involved in that we're going to, you know, and, and you can think, well, I'm hiding this. Nobody else knows this that's going on in my life. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just keeping it aside. Or one day I'll let it go. You know, you don't know. You don't have tomorrow. The Bible says in, in James chapter 5, life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. We don't know whether we live tomorrow. That's why he said now is the accepted day. Now is the day of salvation. Speaking of that, let's get back to what Cedric asked. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3, verse that probably everybody in here knows the verse. In John chapter 3, a fellow by the name of Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And he asks Jesus and begins to tell Jesus, and he converse with him, comes to him by night. He's a, Nicodemus is a, chapter 3, I'm, I didn't give you the verse yet, I will. Um, he comes to, to, to uh, basically speak about the word, speak about Christ, and he's, he's like, he's a Pharisee, and he's here to talk with Jesus, and uh, he's speaking with him, and Jesus says in verse 3 of chapter 3, he says, uh, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on, and he begins to try to, to explain what he means, and, and Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was puzzled by that kind of statement. How can I be born again? What does that mean? I can't go back in my mother's womb and be be birthed all over again. What are you talking about? Jesus says, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So it is a fleshly birth, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's a spiritual birth. There has to be a spiritual birth in a person's life in order to enter the kingdom of God. A person must be born again. That term has been, has been swung around loosely for a long time, many, many years. I'm born again, I'm born again. What does it really mean to be born again? What does it really mean? And we have other scriptures that will tell us what that means. And let's go to some of those. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, another verse that you're very, very familiar with. 
But I just want to take a few of these because this is, and, and I want to take the time with it because this is very, very important. In 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he um, begins to speak about the Lord. Now in John 17, the Lord said that the disciples like Paul, like, like those that are following him, that he would speak through them. So we know that God is speaking through Paul when he speaks that it's actually God doing the speaking and just using his vessel. And he says here in verse 15 that Christ died for all. Died for everybody. The grace of God has appeared to every man. Christ died for all. Why? That they which live should henceforth, should not henceforth, Live unto themselves. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to live for yourself? Anybody can tell me that? Huh? Doing what you want, right? All the time. Follow your passions, desires of your flesh. Just doing what you want. Thinking about yourself. You know, don't think about anybody else. Just doing what you want to do. All self. Self. Take, take care of myself. Take care of this. So, but he says, you, you don't do that anymore. You, you, you live, you're no longer living unto yourselves, but... Unto him which died for them and rose again. So if you're not living for yourself here, well, who's he telling you to live for? He's telling you to live for who died and rose again. Jesus, right? Yes. So you're not living for yourself anymore. You're living for Jesus. So you got to put your name in front of that and say, Larry's not living for himself anymore. He's living just for Jesus. He's not living thinking about self. He's thinking about how can I please God? And he knows that walking in the flesh of pleasing yourself you cannot please God then. And then verse 17. Here we go. This is what born again is again that he explains here. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So he's not the same old creature. He's a brand new creature if he's really in Christ. Now somebody could say they're in Christ, but if they're not a new creature, are they in Christ? Can't be, right? Because the Bible says they're a new creature. Get you to think. So you're not the same old person you used to be, right? You're a new person. Why? Because old things are passed away. That old life is gone. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm not doing the drugs. I'm not thinking evil. I'm not ripping people off. I'm not doing, I'm not manipulating people. I'm not doing all that anymore. I'm not a thief anymore. I'm not a liar anymore. I've quit all that. I'm a new creature. That was the old creature. Old things are passed. He says, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. How many things become new? Some, some things become new. How about, well, what, what, what if we did this? What if we said, well, I became a Christian because I quit doing drugs, but I still have trouble lying and other things. Is that really all things that become new yet? No. Just that would mean that some things became new. <laughs> and that could be confusing in the thinking, well, I'm a new creature. Some things of mine became new. I don't cuss anymore, but I still lie. Well, you haven't had all things become new yet. You haven't really been born again yet. Because to be born again, you, you're a new creature. You're not doing those old things anymore. Right? Most drug addicts, <laughs> when they say they quit, it's they ran out of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So we got that one clear? That's pretty clear? 
All right. Let's, you want to go to another one? Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5. Because we've got to get this right, guys. This has got to be right. Luke chapter 5. And verse 36. Jesus spoke a parable to the people. And he said this. No man puts a new garment upon an old. Sound like you got this. You got this old. In verse 36. You got this old. Garment, you know, we make garments, you know, we, that's what we do for a living, and you got this, uh, you got this new garment, and you look real nice, you know, and you take an old, some old garment, and you try to sew it on there to make it work, what's going to happen? It's not going to hold, it's going to rip, it's, it's not as strong as the new garment in time, it's just going to rip apart. You can't put an old garment or an old piece of garment, old piece of material on a new piece of material and expect it, like you start pulling on it, the old garment's going to break, it's going to bust. He says, if otherwise, then both the new maketh a a tear or a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't really go with the old. It doesn't match. We were doing some painting, you know, and and, uh, on the walls, and, you know, the paint job was done maybe 20 years ago, and we try to match that paint. And you try to go back with that old paint that you had before, and you put it on there. It doesn't look the same. The other paint kind of yellowed. And so the new paint doesn't go with it. Don't be looking at our walls. I see what you're <laughs> The new paint doesn't go, and so it doesn't match. You know, it doesn't look right. You can't do it. You got to go get, you got to either paint all the walls new, or you got to find somebody to mix it and make it just right, which is kind of difficult, and, and so forth. So here we go. Verse 38. Verse 37. But no man put a new wine into old bottles or wineskins. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. If you have an old wineskin and it's empty, and you want to put some new wine, and you put that new wine in that old wineskin, because that new wine is, is fresh and new and firm, it, it, the, the wineskin won't hold up. It'll bust. You see, because new wine has to be put in new wineskins. It's kind of like if you try to... to live the gospel and you have it and you're doing it without Jesus, you know, and, you, and you're trying to put new, new wine in a, that old vessel, it's going to bust. Sooner or later, you're going to bust because you, you can't do it. Apart from me, Jesus said you can do nothing. But he said, through me, you can do all, all things. So what is it talking about here? He says, verse 38, but new wine must be put into new bottles and then both are kept, preserved. So, again, born again, new creation, New bottles. So you have, it has to be a new bottle. You have to become a new creature. That's what he's saying in his parable. He's saying, he's comparing it to a wineskin or an old garment. He's saying that you've got to become new to receive and walk this through. You can't, you can't fix up the old person that you were. You have to have a new heart and, and walk with the Lord in a newness of life. You have to remember Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, he says, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Forget about yourself. And take up your cross and follow me. For if you do that, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, it shall truly be saved. So he's saying there that you have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Walk with the Lord. You lose your life, but then you have life. Same thing. New life again, right? Same thing, a new life.
I'm sorry? How about Romans 6.6? Okay. Take another one. Romans 6.6, 6, Don, as Don said. Don loves that scripture. <laughs> Go ahead and read it, Don. You do too. I do too. <laughs> You're right. But we know that our old, uh-oh, it's the wrong version, brother. Uh-oh, you want me to read it? <laughs> you better read your version before you first. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. So what is the old man, Don? What would the old man be? Old life. Old life. That's right. The old, his old life is crucified with Christ, with him. Remember in, in Galatians 2.20, you can write this one down. I'll just quote it for you. Galatians 2.20. Paul said this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ is living in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He realized that he was crucified with Christ. And you need to put that in front of your name if it be so. Say, say, say I am crucified with Christ. I'm a new creation. It's not me who lives anymore. It's Christ who's living through me. But here it says, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, if you go down to verse 18, it says this. Here's the new creation also along with it. Here's the result of the Romans 6, 6 that you just read in verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servant of righteousness. Now, to begin with, you were a servant to sin. Uh, and let's see where that verse is that would give that um, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you were the servants of sin, but you had obeyed from the heart that former teaching which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, you became the servant of righteousness. That's again, that's, again, that's the born again experience. That's the new creation. That's the new wineskin. You, 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 before you were in bondage to sin, you were a servant to sin, you were a slave to sin, but then when you were, had the born-again experience of really regenerated in God and really made a new creation, now you become a servant to righteousness. You're just serving righteousness all the time. You're not serving sin anymore because you become a new creation in Christ. Amen? Look at uh, another one. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. All right. You scare me when you say that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, okay. Huh? Oh, I'm answering it. Aren't I answering it? You answered it with scriptures, yeah. Yeah, I'm answering it. And I will get that. You just haven't given me like a, a, a direct. But I mean, I mean, you know. I'm, I'm going all, I'm going a little bit around and I'm coming back to you, okay? You know, I mean, it's just fun. Okay, be, be patient. I'm going there. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, can we go over that uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 10 as well? 
Which one? We'll get to it. Whenever okay. We yeah, he's in line first. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> want to skip you, buddy. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 4. Listen to this. If you've heard the truth, which is in Jesus, verse 21, verse 22 says that you put off. There's a putting off concerning the former conversation means the way you lived, your, your, your lifestyle before. You put off that old way you lived. The old man. And Don told, you what, told us what the old man was. That was the old self, right, Don? The old self, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. See, before we just followed, deceitful means lying, like it li- it's a lie. Like deceitful lust, for instance, say, say what a deceitful lust would be like. Man, if you made, if you made X number of dollars, you'd be happy. Okay, and you can think, well, man, I'll make now. If you, man, you, you go, some guy or some girl or whatever, some, some, some person, man, if you go be with that woman and, and commit fornication, you'll be happy. Or if you take that drug, you'll be happy. And you realize afterward that that was a lie. I talked to those guys in prison all the time when I was at the prison. I said, man, I said, how many of you guys, you know, ate the forbidden fruit and, and ended up, and I'm sure you do too, it was a lie. It, it, the devil never tells you the consequences of your sin. He only tells you how good it's going to be at that moment, right? But then later on, the Bible says that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we shall die. If we sow to the spirit, we shall live. So he never tells you the result of it or the consequences of it. That's what it's saying. It's a lying, it's deceitful lust. Lust means strong desire, the passions of the flesh. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. Here we go. Here's the new man again. Here's the new creation. How it, what, what's this new man like? It's going to tell you what this new man is like right here. Watch this. Mm-hmm. Which after God is created after God like God. It's created like, like say, say a Christian. We can say, well, Christian's created after Don. Like, he's, kind of, he's like Don. He's like his dad. Created after God. Verse, verse 24. The likeness of God. Huh? The likeness of God. Yeah, that's right. You man, which after God is created how? In righteousness and true holiness. Wow. That's really good. You look up the word righteousness, take your time, you can look it up sometime. This means holy, blameless, without fault. So this new man is different than the old man because the old man was, in, was unrighteousness. He was created in unrighteousness in himself. But this new man is created in righteousness and not just holiness, but true holiness. Like Jesus. So that's the new creation it was talking about here. That he's new in the Lord. What's your question? What's yours? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> because it seems like so many people nowadays, especially in my age group and things, believe that if you believe in God and live a good life and you're hurting one, you go to heaven. And it's like, you read that verse and there's like mighty men of God who, who heal the sick and commit miracles and prophesy in Jesus' name and they're not even. 
So yeah. it just blows my mind that all these people who are like, well, I believe in God and I've never lied or cheated or whatever. It's like, dude, that, that's not even close. Like, he's looking for like so much more than just being a good person. Like, that just scares me. Because like he asks, like, what do you tell someone who's like, um, I'm good enough? You know? Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about that, Christian, that, that the heaven, the new Jerusalem is only 1,500 square miles. And you can say, well, well that's really big. We'll really think it's been 6,000 years since mankind was on earth. And out of those 6,000 years, all the people that really live for the Lord don't even fill up 1,500 miles. Texas, <laughs> like, you know, okay, the size of Texas, say, is the, is the size of heaven. So it's not very big. So... I want to interject something before, and I'm going to go right where you're at, but I want to interject something in that with that, okay? And some of you may not like it, but I'm going to say it anyway, okay? Just pray about it and, and seek the Lord about it. We talked a while back about, and you brought it up, Don, about 2 Corinthians 7. So I'm going to blame it on you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, okay? Godly sorrow, okay? We start out godly sorrow, and we can, you can read it. 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 7, 10. Godly sorrow is, okay, what is what? Like, man, you come to a place in your life where you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit that you haven't lived your right life right, that you lived for the old man, you've been doing what you wanted to do, all of a sudden it comes to you that, you, that every time you sinned, you crucified the Lord, you nailed his hands to the cross and his feet to the cross. Christ came and all he did was give you love and care about you and that he went and prepared a place for you of heaven and, all, and he gave his whole life for you and all of a sudden, like it did my heart, it gripped my heart when I saw what he did in the crucifixion uh, of, of the agony he went through, the pain he went through, of all that he went through. It broke my heart and made my heart very contrite and broken. And the Lord says a broken and contrite spirit in no wise he will cast out. Therefore, I was broken, and I came to the Lord and asked the Lord, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I messed up. I, I, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I've even tried to stop doing wrong, and I've, I've continued to mess up. I need you as my Savior. I'm desperate for you. I'm broken. That's called godly sorrow. Okay? Now, godly sorrow will lead to repentance, but here's the problem. And I'm gonna tell you what the problem is today. Yeah. Godly sorrow today, man, the modern day church, all everyone I know in a modern day church is saying that you go from godly sorrow to salvation. And you're saved in your sin. Matthew chapter one says that you're saved from your sin. But if you skip over repentance, and you're told, and I know I was, I was told that if I come forward, if I confess my sin, ask the Lord to forgive me, come in my heart, that I am saved. And I was, I was not saved. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. But this is the problem, Don. When I was told that, I didn't know any better. So therefore, I continued to walk in what I was told without repentance, thinking that I had salvation. So I went along thinking, well, I was saved such and such time. And I really wasn't saved. 
because I didn't have repentance. You could say, well, you had a measure of repentance. Yeah, I had a measure of repentance. Maybe I quit some things, but I didn't have a full repentance. And the scripture says that godly sorrow leads to that full repentance. That's where the new man comes on the scene, created in righteousness and true holiness, you see. But if I go to repentant of your sin, then you could think, well, I'm saved, so therefore I'm going to go to heaven in my sin. But you see, the problem is you never really were saved. Oops, am I stepping on toes? If there was not repentance, there was not salvation. Repentance is not asking God to forgive you. Repentance is turning from the way that you're walking and walking it as a whole new creation created in righteousness and true holiness. That's the deception, though, Don. That's why so many people, it's so hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for you to accept that you really weren't saved. Because you know you had an experience. You had an experience. You did. You were broken. You were contrite. You were sorry for your sin. But somebody told you that you were saved in that condition, and you wasn't saved yet. You had to have repentance. You have to do it God's way. He says, if any man strive, let him strive lawfully. That means do it God's way. There's godly sorrow, repentance, and then salvation. Not godly sorrow, then salvation. It doesn't work that way. So therefore, all that time, and it's so difficult for me to receive and for you to receive, I know. Because we walked in that for so long. But I wasn't saved. I can't say I was saved then. Because I didn't repent of my sin. I still had some sin in my life. I still had some anger. I still had some bitterness. I still had some words coming out of my mouth that weren't right. And I went on all those years with that thinking that I was saved and I was not. And the hardest thing for me to come to was to say, you know what? I really wasn't saved. I really wasn't. I lacked repentance. Because if you still got sin in your life, the Bible says, if what a man has overcome the same as he brought in bondage to, you're still in bondage. You're not a servant of righteousness. You're still a servant of some righteousness and some, some unrighteousness. The Bible says, listen, guys, it, and I used to try to go around this scripture and try to make it work. If you can figure out a way to make it work for you, man, I want to hear it. But the Bible says that a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. If you got any corrupt fruit coming out of your life, you are not a good tree yet. You have not fully repented yet. What are you going to do with those scriptures? And the reason I say it with so emphatic uh, desire and, and, and authority is because I know that we're going to stand before God, you and I, separately, individually, and we're going to be accountable for everything we've done in our bodies, whether good or bad. And there's no sin going to enter the kingdom of God. So what are you going to do? got to clean it up. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Without holiness, no man's going to see the Lord. But it's not all your fault. You were told that. I was told that. I preached that. And I'm ashamed of that because I left that off. And I'm going to get to you in just a minute. What you, what you got, Larry? Um, I remember way back years ago, listening to these TV evangelists, he said, uh, accept God and then you'll be saved. And so I thought I was saved for years. And when I had that experience with uh, my guardian angel, she told me if I make it past 58, I'll live a long, happy life. And uh, um, I'll get there. When I turned 58, that's when I realized 
that I wasn't saved. Mm. And, and, uh, and that's when I got true repentance. True repentance. Okay, let's go back to Christian's verse here. Now we can go back to it. Let's see what it really says here. Let's start. Let's start it, though, a little bit closer than when he, where he started. Let's start at verse 13. Matthew 7, 13. Enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go in thereat. Now listen, let me stop there just a minute. If you're thinking sometimes you could, you could, you could be tempted to think, well, come on, Don. Like you're right and everybody else is wrong. Like the masses and the majorities believe the other way. How can you be right? How can that, man, just a few people going to make it to heaven? Come on, man. It does, it's not in your mind. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't seem to register because you, because always if you're going to make a decision, you always say the majority gets the vote. Well, in this one, the minority gets the vote. The few gets the vote. So it's not the masses. What, what it says. Chapter 7, verse 13. Straight is the gate, Matthew, and narrow is the way. So it's straight and it's narrow. Now what man tries to do is let's open that gate up. They've opened it up bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, you can, go to heaven, you can get to heaven, just accept the Lord. You can get to heaven, just come here right and give you money. You can get to heaven, all this stuff. Oh, you can still have all your riches. You can still have everything. And they just start widening the gate. But God's not going to widen it. It's still narrow. So he says, how many? He says, they go in. Because straight, verse 14, is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And how many? Few there be that find it. No wonder heaven's only 1,500 square miles. There's only a few that's going to find it. Let me, let me share something with you. Exactly. Ben, ben there, there is that. The, the scripture says, strive to enter in. Yeah, he's, he's talking about casting all your cares upon him. He said, that's in, found in Matthew eleven thirty eight, 38. And that description, you're talking about casting all your cares and coming to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Like, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. That doesn't mean that everything on the outside is in hell. He gives you peace. On, he says, peace, I, I came not to bring you peace, but I came to bring you a sword. 
I came to make things difficult with your family, your, your, your wife or your mother-in-law against your son-in-law against this one and that one. He says, but peace I give you, but it's not like the world gives, he says in John 14. The peace I give you is that you have a peace inside and all hell's going on on the outside because you're at peace with God. That's what he's talking about. But there is a striving. He says, strive to enter in because not in Luke chapter 12, because many try, will strive to enter and shall not be able to. He says to, to uh, in, in, in Hebrews 12, 4, it says, it says to strive against sin to the shedding of blood. If it takes you shedding blood, stop sinning. It's, it's that important. Now, believe, on the other hand, the scripture says, believing is, is obeying. If you look at, uh, we're going to hold our place with Matthew. We're going to go back to it. Like, like in 1 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, I will. Yeah. 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this. Uh, verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient. What's the opposite of believe? Here. But unto them which be disobedient. Some which the builders reject. You see that? Unto you which believe he's precious. But unto the disobedient. That's the opposite of believe. So believe is also being obedient. Believe is an act of obedience and, and, and believe go together. Faith is fidelity to God. There's another one in, in uh, you got to turn to get the um, um, uh, ESV. What's that called? That's not my version. I know it's not. That's his version? <laughs> ESV? Look no, at, I look at, um, can you, I know you can get that. Would you mind getting that for me in John 3? Hey, you go get to my question too or no? Yeah, I'll get to all of them. <laughs> John chapter 3 and verse 36. ESV. Read that scripture for me. John 3, 36. Oh, it's the same with all versions, right? No. It's not the same. No, it, it, ESV has a better translation of that, ver of that verse. It says obey. Yes. <laughs> you got it, Don? You got it? 330, uh, chapter 3 of, and verse 36. Who's got it? Come in one. Come in twice. Go. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Keep going. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God remains on him. Now, another version will say, Whoever believes on the Son of God hath life, and whoever believes on him who believes not does not have life. But actually, in that version, it, it tells the word, the same word believe means obey. You see that? It said, whoever believes the Son of God has life. Whoever obeys the Son, who obeys not the Son of God has not life. So obedience and, obe and faith are basically the same thing. If you can have faith, you're going to have obedience. We know that in James also, James chapter 2. It also says, faith without works is dead. He says, you believe there's one God? You say, That's a devil faith. The devil believes and trembles. He at least trembles. Some people say, I believe, but they don't tremble. They're not even scared. The devil believes and trembles. He says, you believe that you believe in God? Oh, the devil believes. He believes in that. But it's not that kind of belief. He said, but, but he says, faith without works is dead. He said, man is not justified by faith alone, but by works also in James chapter 2. All right, we'll go back. Even that might not be enough. Huh? Even the good works might not be enough. Based on the scripture that I, I keep 
Okay, we're going to go back. We're going back to your scripture. We're going to finish it up here. Let's go back to Matthew seven. Finish David Christian's scripture here. Okay, he says, "Straight as the gate narrows away, few there be that find it." Right now, we're at verse fifteen. Beware of false prophets. Well, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but into it they wear raven wolves. What's false prophets going to do? They're going to tell you a lie, right? They're going to tell you it's this way, and it's really not that way. So beware of that. Beware that somebody's going to tell you something different than what's written right here. Because remember what we judge by? The word. Let's look at the word. And then he goes on. He he says, um, we're going to go to verse 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Can't happen. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now, let's skip on down. Verse 20 says, wherefore, by their fruit you shall know them. That's how you know if a person's really in the Lord, how they live. If they got junk coming out of their mouth, if they got actions that's showing that other than this word, that's a, that, and they say they're Christian, that's a, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what he's saying. Now, this is the important verse that Christian was talking about. Listen, look at this, listen to this closely. Verse 21, chapter 7 of Matthew. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you Ben's favorite verse with that. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus said this. This is the words of Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not the things which I say? Now over here, they're saying in the last day, they're going to say, Lord, Lord. Same thing. Why are you calling me Lord and do not the things that I say? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth or does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? These words that he's speaking here. That's right. And walk in it. That's right. Yes, that's the will of the Father. Matter of fact, he, when Jesus uh, was with uh, his disciples and, and his mother and father came, they, um, they said, they said Jesus, Jesus, your mother and father are here. They want to see you. And he says, uh, who is my mother, my father, and my brethren? But he says, but those who does the will of my father. And then in, the next, in, the other, in one of the other books, they ask the same thing. And he says, he says, well, who is my mother and father but those who hear my word and do it? So, which is the same thing, doing the will of the Father is to hear his word and do it. All right, so, so he goes on and he says, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, what day? The day we talked about, the judgment day, the final day, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He's already telling you a bunch of people are going to say this to me. Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. That's the person who believes he's a Christian. And he's trying to plead for his salvation. He said, Lord, we did all this stuff. But they left something out. Watch what happens. And Jesus said this in verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart. Why didn't he know him? Depart from me, you that work sin or iniquity. He says, that's why. Because they were still sinning. They couldn't enter in. Wow. Well, I was told that I was okay. I was told that I could just come forward. I, would, I did all this stuff. We prayed for people, man. We, they got healed. We cast out devils. We did all this stuff. He said, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity.
I'll tell you one who did. The 12 disciples were all anointed, and Jesus told the 12 disciples to go out to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and one of them was Judas Iscariot. He, he was a devil. The Bible said Jesus called him a devil, and he betrayed Jesus. But he cast out devils at one time until he fell away. So, yeah, but then in his heart, he... he Well, they did. They did. They did. So I think what he's asking is, was were those men saved at one point, or were they never saved, or do you not know? The scripture doesn't doesn't indicate that, but the scripture indicates why they couldn't enter in. And the reason they couldn't enter in is because they still had sin in their lives. Amen. It says, you're workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Right, let me ask you something else. Now, what is knowing the Lord? What is really knowing the Lord? Being intimate with him. Um, and, you know, you can turn to John chapter 14. Did I get to your question? I answered your question, right? Well, I answered your question about repentance, about leaving out repentance. That was the answer to your question about believing. John 14, Jesus makes this profound statement in John chapter 14 and in verse 21. He says this, he that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. So I would have to ask the question, who loves the Lord? The one's keeping his commandments, right? So if I'm not keeping his commandments, can I say that I'm, can I put that in there and interject that and say, well, I don't really love the Lord if I'm not keeping his commandments? Is that, would that be a true statement? According to the scripture, right? Yeah. So if I'm not keeping his commandments and I'm saying, Lord, I really love you, I kind of be like those fellas in Matthew ch chapter 7 that's saying all those things. Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name, done all these miracles in your name, you know, and, and trying to get into heaven, and, but you really didn't love him. He said, I didn't, you, I didn't know you. But let's go further. It says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Well, I thought you already loved me, Lord. I thought you already loved me while I was sitting. What do you mean you're going to love me? Think on that one a while. You want the Lord to love you? What pleases the Lord? I want the Lord to love me. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest, you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said to them this, if a man love me, he will keep my words. True or false? True. So he's going to keep them. And my father will love him. I thought you already loved me. And we will come unto him and make our, and we'll live inside of him. Do you really think the Lord's going to come live inside some vessel, some temple that's still full of darkness and have light and darkness dwell together? The Bible tells me that light and darkness can't dwell together. 
can't do it. It's got to be light for him to come in that light because he's the light, right? You bring a light in a dark room, what happens? That dark just got to go. Go to 1 John and we'll close there. Unless there's something else. First John chapter 2 basically says the same thing again. In verse 4. Verse 3. And hereby, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him. You want to know that you know Jesus and that he knows you. If we keep his commandments. That's good. But what if I'm not keeping his commandments? Can I know that, he, that I love him? Do I love him? Do I, do I know him? No. Yeah, that's it. Well, really, he really, he really answered it with, um, with, um, that was really good. I didn't have even what number do you on? I haven't even heard that. Chapter three, before. verse three of chapter um, two. Oh, the one first, first Peter chapter two, right? First Peter chapter two, verse yeah. seven. Yeah. I've never heard that. You know, so that really was. Verse four. Was the answer. He that says, I know him. Oh, I know the Lord. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm saved. And keeps not his commandments. He's a liar. He's not telling the truth, Don. He says, I know him and I'm not keeping his commandments. I'm sinning. I'm a liar. And the truth's not in me. Jesus, what's the truth? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. John 14, 6. So Jesus is not in him. I think sometimes, guys, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves by these scriptures. And it's called humbling yourself. God opposes the proud, but gives grace and humble. Humble yourself. Say, you know what? I've had all this stuff. I've been taught all this stuff. I've held on to all this stuff. I really don't want to let it go, but i got to humble myself to the Word of God and say, you know what? I, all this time I thought I was saved, I really wasn't. You say, Don, you're trying to talk us out of being saved? If it need be, man, I want you to make it. I want you to make it. I don't want you to deceive yourself into thinking you're ready and you're really not. You say, well, you might be wrong. If I'm wrong, then you're going to live more holy and you're going to get a better reward in heaven. But if I'm right, you're not going to make it. So I'm going to, I'll put it out there. Straight as that gate and narrows that way. You better make sure. The Bible says, give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. Work out your salvation with fear and truth. For if the righteous scarcely be saved, the righteous is that holy person living in holiness, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? People say, well, I'm still a sinner. Where are you going to appear? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where are you going to appear? It's Jill's say it's scriptures. One of the problems that we have today is that if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, God gives five requirements for, 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 for the people of Israel to serve him. With. He looked those up. Uh, you can see them, but then Jesus simplified it when he said that the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God mm -hmm. and, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, in lieu of that, what you hear a lot of today is that you're hearing there are, uh, people talk about unconditional love mm. that Christ has for us. When you start talking about unconditional love, it, it means that there's no conditions involved with love. Wrong. Love. But there are conditions. Absolutely. That you have to do. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, so therefore they take it upon themselves, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. The same thing. The laws, 
that says, okay, uh, this is what you're going to have to live by. This is what you're required to live by. And so in lieu of that, we start balancing what Jesus said there in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and all that. You start balancing that out and you see which one gets the fullest. Yeah. When really the two commandments you spoke of cover all of it anyway. Yeah. It covers everything. You will do that. He doesn't. Love, he hates sin. He loves righteousness and hates iniquity. The Bible says. Cherry pick their scriptures. <laughs> I call it. Well, it causes a snowball effect. You take one of those snowballs and start rolling downhill, and by the time you get to the bottom, you've got an amateur. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so that, that's basically what you're looking at, at in today. Uh, you know, and a lot of people just uh, take the word of God for granted. Amen. Let me finish the scripture. It says, uh, I want to give you two more, right in, in 1 John. The next verse said in verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word. Some people say, well, you can't keep God's word. Why would he put, put there whoso keepeth his word then? In him verily is the love of God perfected. You want God's love perfected in your life? Keep his word. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abideth in him ought himself also to walk just like Jesus walked. Now we talked about belief. I'm going to give you one more scripture on that belief. Go to 1 John chapter 5. This is the type of belief he's talking about. <clears throat> verse 5, uh, chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 4, we'll start. Well, we'll start at verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome when you really walk in the Lord. It's not hard to keep God's commandments. You're right when you totally surrender. But if you're trying to live, keep, hold, hold on to part of the world and do it, then it's very difficult. That's right. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. 
So we talked about being born again. There it is again. If you're born of God, you're going to overcome the world. If you're not overcoming the world, you really haven't been born again yet. Because he says you're born of God, you're going to overcome. That's the way we tell it. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So that's the type of faith that you have to, to, to overcome. Now here's the scripture for you. Who, who, is, who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Why is there a question mark here? Because he's asking the question. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. There's really no question marks in Greek that was put there. Okay? So you don't have to worry about that. So, so you see, uh, that's the kind of belief. Because it causes obedience. He's overcome the world in his belief. Amen. All right?